help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ. We do that as we seek to take the pattern uh, of Jesus' life, as our, or Jesus' life as our pattern for life, and we do that as we prioritize being together, as Jesus did with his disciples and the people, as we hear and respond to uh, the word of God. Jesus taught using it. He, he read the Old Testament scriptures, and we are strive to be a tangible presence of grace in our communities and in our world. Uh, Jesus was all about spreading uh, the love and the grace that was offered through the Father uh, to the people. And so that's what we strive to do as a church here, uh, and, and we're glad that you're here today as we tr- strive to do that together. I invite you to grab your Bible, if you will, and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Uh, you can open that up in your, your app, the PCC app, or somewhere in front of you there should be a blue Bible in the row, and they could pass that down to you if you would like to grab that. And Romans chapter 12 will be on or around page 920 there in the Blue Bibles. During this season in the life of the church, we are encouraging and challenging everyone to grow in their faith. The idea is for us to take that next step in our faith, regardless of where you are, uh, to take that next step, because that's something all of us can do to grow closer to the Lord. In this series, we've been looking at this idea of life change, and the question we've been wrestling with is, how do we change? Not just a simple change, but a life change, something that really matters. And it's more than just a behavior modification. It's, it's more than just... Uh, knowing that, that if we just try harder, then things will change because we're smart enough to know that it just doesn't work that way. We try harder and then we fall in, in line with the latest self-help things and it just really doesn't make a lasting difference. We may see some behavior modification, but real life change takes place from the inside out. It's through the power of God and through the Holy Spirit in our life. That's how we are truly able to change. And that's why we've said often in this series, we'll continue to say it, that life change begins and it ends with Jesus. Uh, I'd like to thank Zach for speaking last week and talking about repentance. He reminded us that when we turn to God for the first time or when we return to him, that's when our lives can be changed. That's when we discover and experience God like the loving father in the parable that he read last week, running toward us with his arms wide open, welcoming us home as his children. Today, we continue in this series by talking about the subject of love. Now, in case you missed it, this past week was Valentine's Day, right? Everybody got that? I cannot tell you how many different emails I received that had the word love in the subject line, right? Catalyst sends me an email, God is love, but how? Uh, iHeartRadio, your Valentine machine love songs. I kind of liked that one. That was pretty good. version. where can you find true love? Metric, which is a band. It's a, anyway, they, a love letter to you. And then our PCC Kids Ministry sent out uh, Love by PYC. It seems like everyone was talking about love this past week, right? And when you think about love, love will make you do some interesting things, won't it? Love will make you do maybe some irrational, irrational things. Anyone who has ever been in love or is currently in love knows that love can be unpredictable. It can cause you to do and say things that you probably normally wouldn't do or say. So for a moment, I invite you to think about maybe something you have done because of love. What is something out of the ordinary? And people are looking at each other and laughing already. This is good, right? What what is something that was surprising? And no, I'm not going to ask you to share it. I just want you to think about maybe something you have done because of love. 
You've probably heard stories, right, about how people sought to express their love in these, these amazing ways. People have written love songs. They've hired, you know, uh, planes to write messages in the sky. They, they've planned these elaborate engagement proposals. They travel great distances just to spend 12 hours with the person. Uh, they, they braved the lines on Black Friday to get that certain something so they could show, I love you, right? People do all kinds of things to express their love for someone. Two of my friends and I, after hiking to the top of Mount Washington in New Hampshire, we saw a guy propose to his girlfriend, which was really cool. But that only happened after he dropped the ring in the rocks and there was a mad scramble and everyone around was like, ah! And we tried to help him find it, right? It, it was one of those extravagant things that he did. It was really interesting. And I want to talk to just the guys for a second. So women, I'm going to ask you not to listen to this because this would be detrimental for all men if you, if you were to hear this, okay? So women, don't listen. This is just for the guys. Friends of Michelle and I, for their 20th wedding anniversary, he rented an entire island in the Florida Keys for the weekend. And when we hear as men of another guy doing something like that, we're like, oh, man, because they set the bar so high that it makes it impossible for the rest of us, Right? Okay, women, you can listen again. Um, so people do interesting things because of love. They have been known to do some, some crazy things. Because of love, for instance, this has happened. A, a woman who we shall call Allison, she admitted, I sent myself gifts and flowers and pretended they were from a secret admirer so he would get jealous. That's just not right, right? Or, or how about this one? According to the website Scoop Whoop, so we can't really know how accurate this story really is, because, right, but, all right? Uh, Jordan Cardella was desperate to get back together with his girlfriend, and so he had this brilliant idea that the way to get her back was to have his friend shoot him. Not kill him, but just shoot him and injure him. So they agreed that this was a good plan, so his friend fired three shots, but only hit him once, that's <laughs> scary in and of itself, right? So what happened? Well, uh, the, the guy, Jordan, he recovered from his gunshot wounds, and the friend who shot him received two years probation on what prosecutors termed the most phenomenally stupid case they'd ever seen. And the really bad news for Jordan was that his ex-girlfriend still wanted nothing to do with him, right? Because he's an idiot. Okay, anyway, but it's hard to know what to do when people do things like that in the name of love. But when it comes to love, I would guess that all of us, we're pretty aware of what it is, at least our understanding of what it is. We can talk about it. We know it when we see it. We even know a couple of scriptures that tell us that we are to love God and to love others. But the difficulty is not in knowing about love. The struggle comes in this practical application of love. Which brings us to our text this morning. Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and after writing about salvation and, and how everyone is included in God's kingdom, Romans 12 begins this new section where Paul is exploring the general principles of what it means to live a Christian life. He, he shares uh, some of the things that he wants the believers there to put into practice, and his focus is on this subject of love. And so beginning in verse 9 of chapter 12, this is what the text says. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, 
Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, there is so much in that short passage that we can't even begin to scratch the surface of what that means today. But I want to try just a little bit. If you go back to verse 9, I like the way that the different uh, versions translate Uh, Verse 9, NIV that we read says, love must be sincere. The NLT says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. ESV, let love be genuine. New American Standard Bible says, let love be without hypocrisy. From the jump, Paul is setting this bar really high as to what it means to love. And the type of love Paul is writing about, the, the word that he uses there, is the familiar word agape, It's that agape love. According to psychology today, agape love is a universal love, a love for strangers, for nature or God. In the scriptures, we see agape love is this selfless, sacrificial, and unconditional love. It's the love that says, I will love you no matter what. It's the the love that is the highest type of love that we can either extend to someone or receive from someone. It's the type of love that God has for us And it's what we are called to have for each other. And I don't know about you, but thinking about and then putting into practice that type of love is kind of tough. It's tough to always have that kind of love. It's tough to always love other people, to really love them, to genuinely and without hypocrisy love them. Because, again, I'm not sure about you, but if you're anything like me, I don't always feel like loving other people all the time. Anyone else willing to admit that as well? Three of you, thank you so much for identifying with me like that, right? Because even when I feel that way and even when I desire to love that way, it's still difficult to love with that type of of agape, unconditional, genuine love. I I want to illustrate this by asking you a question, and I do want you to respond with a simple raise of your hand. How many of you have ever been hurt or wounded by someone you love or someone who says they love you? Yeah, that's pretty universal. It's just true. If we love someone, we open ourselves up to them. And when we share this type of agape love that we have been called to share, then the reality is that we will be wounded. There is a cost to that. A couple of weeks ago in our intern devotions, uh, Caitlin brought up uh, the book by C.S. Lewis titled The Four Loves. And in this book, he says this, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will, will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, You must give it to no one. 
not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. But it's hard to be vulnerable, isn't it? It's hard to love like that. Because if you have loved, you know what it's like to be hurt. And our natural reaction to being hurt is to what? Avoid that, right? To protect ourselves, to put a a, a protection around us, to protect our heart. And this is something we have been taught from a very early age. We're taught to protect ourselves, to put that shell and that protective covering around our life and around our heart. It began innocently enough. When we were young, we were taught to say this, sticks and stones may break my bones, but... That's such a lie. Words have the power to give life, and words have the power to take it. Words wound, and they wound deeply. So what do we do? We protect ourselves. We put that shell around us, and we hide who we really are and what we think and our dreams and our desires so no one can hurt us with their disapproving or discouraging words. And our self-protection leads to a suffocation of our heart, and we die inside, and we are protected, but we are not alive. And God has called us to live a life that's alive, a life to the full to love with a genuine, real, sincere love because God knows that our greatest need is also our greatest fear, to be truly known and to be truly loved. And our fear is, what if being truly known and opening myself up to being loved means I get hurt? Is it worth the risk? As a pastor, I have the opportunity to listen and speak with people about what's going on in their life and I cannot tell you the number of times that people have expressed to me in in so many words that they really don't feel like they can be loved by someone else and the reason their relationships are fractured and the reason they're so unhappy is because they believe if the other person really knows who I really am, then they will not love me because I am not lovable. So we protect ourselves. We wall off our heart, we wall off our lives, and we become isolated, and we are dying inside. And we may have this great exterior, and we may present well, but God has designed us. He created us to live in genuine, authentic relationships, to know God and to be known by others, to walk through this life together, bearing one another's burdens. It's why we have been called to truly love because that's who we truly are and love must be sincere, it must be genuine, it must be real. God's love for us teaches us how to love others genuinely and in doing so, we find life. And in in doing so, our lives can change. One measure of how your life is being changed by love is to evaluate how you are loving the people in your life. And so I invite you to do just a little bit of self-inventory for a second. How are you doing at loving the people that God has placed in your life? How are you doing when it comes to loving your family? 
How are you doing when it comes to loving your friends, your coworkers, your classmates, your boss, that teacher, the team members? Is the love you have for them a love at all? And if it's love, is it authentic? Is it real? Is it genuine? When we look at the type of agape love that we are called to have, that's what it is to be. There's so many different things that we could look at when it comes to analyzing and examining this type of love. But, but for the balance of our time here this morning, I, I want to look at two aspects of this agape love. Two aspects that are different, but they're part of the same thing. It's like two sides of a coin. You cannot have one without the other. They're different, but they're the same. The first one is this. It's our love for God. Our love for God. If I were to ask you, according to the scriptures, what's the greatest commandment? Your answer would be? Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Mark 12, 30, right? That's what we've been called to do. That's the type of love that we are to have for God. It's what we've been commanded by Jesus to have I love that way. And if you look back at, at Romans 12 and you, you kind of keep that in the forefront of your mind, you see that Paul calls us to hate what is evil and cling to what is good, to be devoted to one another and to honor others, to be zealous in serving the Lord, to be joyful and patient and faithful, to share what I have and to bless those who wrong me. But here's the question. Why would I do that? Why would I want to do those things? Why should I? What motivates me to do this? Because it's not easy to love like that. And I can make a strong argument to say that those things are nearly impossible. So why should I strive to love other people and to treat other people that way? I would suggest that when we discover and experience his love, when we see God for who he truly is, when we see his glory and his goodness and his grace, and then we are able to understand what it means to be joyful and patient and faithful and sharing and offer blessing. And as we have this love for God, those things flow out of us because of the love that we have for the Lord, and it starts this cycle that begins repeating itself. We need a love for God, a love uh, for God that, that has our focus of our life and the underlying reason for everything we do is because of the love that we have for God in gratitude and, and all the reasons we should love him because that type of focus and that type of love can change our life as we think about what it means for us to love God. The other side of that coin is that we also need a love from God. The reality is this, apart from God's love in us, we really don't have the ability to love other people the way we're called to love others in this text from Romans 12. On my own and by my own power, through my own self-will and determination and effort and discipline, I am not able to love like Romans 12 calls me to love. Are you? For me, (laughs) I see that in how I fail to consistently demonstrate patience with my family. I can try really hard, and when it's all about me, I become frustrated and angry and isolated. I feel guilty that I became frustrated, and I enter into this negative spiral that God never intended for me to experience. Zach shared something last week that 
that I don't know that I ever really considered when it came to the story of the prodigal son. He, he shared that the prodigal son, the younger son that went off and, and squandered everything and decided, hey, I, I can do all this. He, he said that the prodigal son tried to fix his life and his situation on his own. He went and got a job and he thought, I can manage this. And in doing so, what happened? He failed. It was only when he returned to his father and he discovered and experienced the love of his father that his life was changed. And as for me, and I would guess for you as well, it is only when we open ourselves up to receive that love from God the Father that our lives can truly be changed. We cannot do it on our own. We need his love in our life. Paul said in Romans 5, 5, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, through the power of the Holy Spirit, pouring his love into our life and into my life and into your life, the love from God, because of his love, I can be changed. And then I can truly begin to love other people in my life. Through God's love in me, I can be joyful and patient and share and bless. Through God's love in my life, it is possible for me and it's possible for you for our love to be real and genuine and our lives can truly change because of the love of God in our life. Amen? But here's the kicker, okay? And this is something we talked about in our staff meeting on Monday. You cannot give away what you do not have. And I want you just to think about that for just a second. You cannot give away what you do not have. Which is why it's so very incredible that God, through Christ, has given us love. So why am I able to be devoted to someone or to honor someone? It's not necessarily because they deserve it, but because of God's love for me. It's not based on their performance, but because of God's love for me. It's not because I feel like it, but because of God's love for me. It's not because I'm trying to be better. It's because of God's love for me. Because I would suggest that when we fully understand what Jesus did for us on the cross, the love that he demonstrated, that even in spite of my sin, he came to this earth and he gave of his life so that I could have life. And in the light of that, it becomes painfully clear that in my relationships with other people, that no one owes me anything. Because Jesus has forgiven me for more than I could ever imagine, and he did it because of his love for me. And when we receive that love, it's available to each and every one of us, and when we receive that love with an open hand, then we are able to give that love to other people. And as we receive the love that God has for us, we love him and we love others. And as we love God and we love others, we receive love from the Father. And that coin just keeps flipping over and over and over because you cannot have one without the other. And I will tell you, not only from my own experience, but from the discussions I've had with many others, when you try to be more loving on your own, on your own power and your own determination and your own self-discipline and goodwill, good luck. Experience says that you're gonna become even more frustrated and more exhausted than ever before. But when you are filled with the love of God through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, lives can be changed. We can be changed. It's a life-changing love that empowers us to love God and to truly 
genuinely love other people. It's a life-changing love that originates from the one true God that loves you. He loves you so much that what he did for you is crazy, right? It's a love that seems too good to be true. It's too outlandish. It's too vulnerable, too over the top. And yet, for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son so that when you believe in him, you shall have eternal life. And that's crazy when you think about it, isn't it? I mean, if we really stopped and try, try to figure that out, it, it just, our, our little peanut-sized brains just can't quite handle what that really means. It's crazy to think that he loves us that much. It's crazy to think that our sins are forgiven. It's crazy to think that because of love that our sins are forgotten. They have been removed as far as the east is from the west. Because of love, we have been made right with God. It's often been said that, that the scriptures is God's love letter to us. And if you read that entire letter, there are some crazy things in there, right? It's the story of God's passionate love and his passionate pursuit for his creation. And when you look at Jesus, he had the type of love that changed the lives of people. He was invested in the message of God's love and the desire to reconcile all of creation back to himself. A love that led Jesus to give his life on the cross so that we could have eternal life with him. And I don't care if you've been a believer your whole life or if this is the first time you're hearing this, but that type of love is crazy. And that type of love doesn't come around every day. It's a type of love that Jesus gave his very life for us. Scripture says very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if you hear nothing else today, if you've thought I've just been up here rambling, tune in for like the next five seconds, okay? God loves you. If you hear nothing else today, know God loves you because that is such a simple and profound truth. Jesus came to this earth to seek and to save you to seek and to save all humanity. Why? <laughs> because of this crazy love that he has for you. And that type of love makes you do some crazy, amazing things. It's a love that changes lives. A love that co compels us to spread his love, pointing people not to us and not to this imperfect church, but pointing people to Jesus and to him alone because he is the one that can change lives. It begins and it ends with Jesus. And I get the privilege of inviting you to experience Jesus, to receive his love in your life, to in invite him to be your Lord and Savior, to confess your sins, to be obedient in baptism, to begin walking in relationship with him, to join a body of believers where we are striving to live in real, genuine, authentic relationships. And we don't always get it right because we are imperfect people. But we're striving to do that. And we invite other people who are imperfect that want to strive to do that to join us as we seek to discover and experience his love and allow it to change each and every one of us to take that next step in our life. Uh, the band's gonna come and they're gonna lead us in a time where we can just respond to the Lord. It's an opportunity for us to, to think about and to evaluate what God is doing in our life and what God is saying to us through his word. 
And I know it may be a little intimidating to think about going and talking to someone, but, but can I tell you that it's just people that want to pray with you and people that want to encourage you. And we don't want to embarrass you and we don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. We want, we want you to, to discover and experience Jesus. And if we can help in that journey, we would love to have the opportunity. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing and there are going to be people over by the cross uh, over here to your right that would just love to talk with you and to, and to pray with you and to talk about the amazing love that God has for you through his son Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So I invite you to, to stand with me. Let's focus on the love that God has for us as we respond to his love this morning. We'll meet you by the cross. Let's worship him together.